Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. It's good to be here. My name's Mark, and uh, and I haven't spoken in uh, in, a, in an assembly since pre-COVID, so I'm a little bit rusty. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, we've not been gathering regularly with the believers uh, in in a single space uh, throughout the COVID, and it, it's it's just a real refreshing opportunity to be back with friends and to be back again um, sharing the gospel, sharing the, the love as uh, Laura was, was it Laura who spoke at our, 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 our communion time was, was expressing and that's a, a wonderful thing. And I thank you for the love that you've shown both me and Vicki just in walking into your building as strangers. You know, here we stand and yet we already find ourselves uh, among friends and that's a wonder, wonderful thing. I'm going to be using, yeah, I know, this is odd. I'm going to be using 2 Kings as our scripture for today, and our work's going to come out of 2 Kings chapter 2, of all things, the oddest, uh, perhaps, chapter in the Bible, if you want to pull that thing out. And we're going to try and work our way um, through that chapter uh, in the next few minutes that we have uh, here together. Uh, I don't know if you watch the news. One of the things I do when I get up first thing in the morning, I look at Google News I, I, to, to depress myself mostly for the day. But if you've uh, looked at Google News or if you watch the news regularly, you may have heard about a man who was attacked by a bear last week in Alaska. Yeah, this is a real thing. He was uh, up there surveying uh, by himself just a a couple of miles uh, off the road, all by his lonesome, when he accidentally stumbled into a big brown bear. I can't imagine what that must have felt like, but the old bear uh, reared up on his hind legs and the surveyor did, I think, what probably all of us would do, and that's he, he turned and, and, and he ran. He tried to hide behind some um, spruce trees. There were some small spruce a tree standing there. Anyway, he got behind the spruce and the bear just blew right through the trees and was on him in a second. Now he had a, a stick that he was using to survey. It had a pointed end on it and he tried to, you know, fight the bear off a little bit with the pointy stick. But according to the report, the bear just one swat uh, knocked the stick right out of his hands. It went flying and then the bear went after him. And I, I just can't even imagine what it would be like to have a 300-pound-plus um, ball of fur and fang uh, right on top of me. I guess the bear opened his mouth and immediately grabbed him by the head and uh, sunk his teeth in the part, of, the part of the guy's head and part of the guy's face and, and, and chomped. <laughs> and uh, as he... he he hung on to the guy. The, the memory he has is of his, the sound of his own skull breaking. 
yeah. And then the bear released and then grabbed him again by the head. And I mean, it's just horrifying to read this story in the news. Sorry, I'm ruining a beautiful day with such talk. Anyway, the bear suddenly, with, without any uh, reason, just let go of him, turned and walked off. And he was left there on the ground in a crumpled mess, right? Uh, and didn't know what to do. He had a cell phone. He called for help. 911 was able to call for help. And then he lay there on the ground, a crumpled mess, for the next hour, worried that the bear might return. Uh, which the bear did not, but the rescue people did come. They, and they found him. And they were able to save his life. They helicoptered him uh, to safety. And, uh, you know, that's, that was the end of the story. And I'm just reading this, you know, in the morning. Wow, wow. You know, what's, what's the lesson? What's the lesson from this? Well, don't ever mess with a bear, right? That, that's probably the easy one. Don't mess with bears. They're big. Well, the bear that attacked the surveyor was a member of the Ursus Arctos family which you and I would probably call a brown bear. And there are many other uh, members of the brown bear family, including grizzlies, Kodiaks, Himalayas, didn't even know there was such a thing as a Himalayan brown bear, but there is, and also a species that's nearly extinct today called the Syrian brown bear. Now, the Syrian brown bear is the smallest of the bunch, but still pretty big. It can get over 300 pounds, and I thought you'd, you'd like to see one, right? So I brought one. No, I didn't bring one. I brought a picture. Show it. Oh, there they are. Yeah. There's the Syrian brown bear, and you can see they're just soft and cuddly. You know, wouldn't you like to go up and scratch that guy behind the ears? And, and the Syrian brown bear, <clears throat> excuse me, the Syrian brown bear is indigenous to the Middle East, and at one time uh, could be found in Egypt and in Israel and in Palestine and in Jordan and in Lebanon, but today you can only find them in the country of Iran. That's the only place that they're left, and everywhere else they've pretty much been hunted out. Well, uh, there's a, did you see the other picture? There's another one. Yeah, there he is. How'd you like to... Yeah, no, no thank you. Anyway, um, that's good. Thank you for the bear. Um, I, I thought you'd like to see the, the Syrian brown bear because all the mentions that we have inside the Bible about bears are probably Syrian brown bears because this, this is the bear of the Bible lands during the Old Testament period. This is the kind of bear that we read about. Uh, for example, in the book of Proverbs where it says, you know, be careful messing with a mama bear and her cubs. And everybody knows what a mama bear uh, can do, right? Angry mama bear. Or how about this? Uh, the prophet Daniel, you know, he has a vision and uh, he has several visions, but in one of his visions, he envisions a bear. And interestingly enough, it has ribs still stuck in its teeth. Remember that one? Or there's the shepherd boy, David. And again, we, we, in our communion time, we heard the, the scripture, the New Testament scripture, a shepherd, uh, Jesus is the good shepherd, will lay down his life um, for his sheep. Well, David said on occasion that I had to fight off lions and bears. 
And probably the kind of bears that we're talking about are, yeah, Syrian brown bears, because we read about them um, several times in the Bible. And, and then there's this one, right? The one that we're coming to right now in the passage that's before us in 2 Kings chapter 2. This one is perhaps the, the strangest of all the bear stories. And just in case you've never read it, let me read it with you. I'm reading from 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, where it says these words, He, that is the prophet Elisha, went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered him, saying, Go away, bald head! Go away, bald head! And when he turned around and he saw them, the prophet that is, when he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And then two she-bears, and of course we want to scribble on the side, you know, the margin might say Syrian brown bears, because, or, 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 anyway, Syrian brown bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. From there he went on to Mount Carmel and then returned to Samaria. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, at a glance, this has to be one of the oddest passages of, of, of Scripture, one of the oddest passages in all of the Old Testament. It, it's good, I suppose, for youth groups. And, 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 you know, you might, you know, behave, you kids. I will call the bears. You know, I, I don't know how else you might use it. But, but you know, here is this passage about, about bears. And why? And, and if you're not careful, you might read the story something like this. A prophet of Yahweh is ridiculed by teenage thugs who make fun of his looks. So he curses them, kids. And then they're torn to pieces by the bears. That'll teach them, won't it? And, and at the end, the story just kind of, you know, the, the bear just walks off. Yeah, the bears, in this case, just walk off, as does the, you know, the narrator, and as do we, the readers. Well, what are we to make of this? Where does this thing go? And we're left scratching our heads. Huh. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to show you that this story that we just read together, this story about the she-bears and the 42 boys being mauled, is actually the perfect ending to a much larger story. The story that's told in 2 Kings chapter 2. It's the perfect ending and it gives us, I think, a much more meaningful takeaway than never surprise a bear or be careful messing around with men who have no hair, which maybe that's a good lesson too. Anyway, let's do it together. To, to, to really understand this chapter, 2 Kings chapter 2. In order to understand this chapter, what we have to remember is that this is a chapter of transition. There's a transition that's going on here right before our eyes. Old Elijah, you know, the prophet that's been around for a while, is giving way to new Elisha. There's a transition, Elijah to Elisha. 
And I know they have names that sound very similar. If you're not careful, you can get them confused, but they're very different men. And even though they serve the same God, they have very different ways in which that service is expressed and very different ways in which you know, they work here in the text of, of, of Scripture. Elijah, the old guy, right, the master, he's, he's the original wild guy. Right? You, you remember him, right? Lots of stories about Elijah. He seemingly owned nothing but the clothes on his back, um, and those clothes were scratchy and leathery, and Elijah, he came and he went like the wind, challenging the king, challenging the powers that be, challenging the prophets of Baal. He was always scratchy and hairy, and may have even inspired a much later character of the Bible, one that we call John the Baptist. Yeah, you know about that as well. That's Elijah. Now, Elisha is the apprentice, right? And he comes from a very rich family, if we understand the text correctly. He was smooth, he was oily, he was well-spoken, he was citified, yeah, citified. And he worked from within the system, oftentimes counseling kings, working on behalf of the king. The account of how the ministry of Elijah gives way to the ministry of Elisha is found here in this text before us. Notice how it begins. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the way from Gilgal. Elijah is retiring and God's about to take him away by means of a, of a whirlwind or a chariot of fire in a whirlwind. The wild guy is going on a wild ride. Yeah, it's a fitting ending to, uh, to this man's ministry. And Elijah tells Elisha, stay here. You don't want to see this. You don't need to see this. How did Elisha respond? Look at verse 2. Elisha responded, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave, I will not abandon you. So says the prophet Elisha. So they continue. And the place they go to is a town called Bethel. Now, in order to understand all these names and the geography, you're going to have to repeat stuff because that's the only way, you know, we're going to learn it. So everybody say the word Bethel with me right now. Bethel. Bethel, right? Bethel is where this story is going to begin, in Bethel. And in Bethel there, if you just keep reading the text, you'll see that in Bethel they meet the sons of the prophets. So it says the text, or uh, the prophet boys. These are young men in training. Now, Bethel, say it, Bethel, Bethel is a place where you and I both know, if we've been reading our texts of the Old Testament, we know that this was one of the spots where they set up a golden calf. Remember? Golden calf at Dan and the golden calf at Bethel. And Bethel was one of the places of the golden calves. Now, we don't know this for a fact, but it could very well be that these boys are prophet boys in the service of Baal or in the service of the golden calf. Oh, 
interesting, which makes them out to be opponents of Elijah and Elisha. And notice what the gang of boys says to Elisha. It's a taunt. Can you see it there in verse 3? Guess what? They say in verse 3, Today you're about to lose your cover, Elisha. Yahweh is going to take your master from literally the top of your head, the one who's over you. You're going to lose, you're going to lose your cover. You're going to lose your lid. And Elisha, of course, does what any of us would do. He snaps back, shut up. <laughs> shut up, boys, shut up. Uh, you keep reading. The same thing happens again. Look down at verses 4 and 5. Are you reading with me? Verses 4 and 5, the same thing kind of goes down again. The two continue. They go from Bethel, Bethel to where? Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Jericho. So story, story, story starts in Bethel, and it goes to Jericho. And then in Jericho, the same sort of thing happens. Elijah encourages Elisha to stop. And Elisha says, no, I'm not going to do it. And he says, I will not abandon you. I will not abandon my master. And again, the young men come out. We read about them there. The young men, they come out to chide Elisha. And they say the same thing that they said before. Know that you're about to lose your master today. Your head is about to be uncovered. There's not going to be anybody left to protect you soon. And what does he say to them? Shut up. Shut up. And so they go. Where'd the story start? Bethel. Where'd they go next? Jericho. Where do they go next? What's next? Verses 6 and 8. 6 through 8. Jordan. They go to the Jordan River. That's right. And at the Jordan, everybody watches as the senior prophet takes off his mantle. Now, you know what a mantle is? A mantle is like a, it's, a, it's an over wrap. It's, a, it's like a cape, you know, that goes over your shoulders. In the old days, those are the kinds of things they wore, right? And he takes off his mantle and uh, he twirls it. This is my imagination now at work. He twirls it like a gym towel, you know? And then he, pop! Yeah, and ow! He, 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 the river jumps and he pops the water with his mantle. And what does the water do? The water splits. Half goes to this side, half goes to that side, and the two men together walk through the middle, unscathed, on dry ground. Uh, there's memories, you know, this evokes memories of Moses in the sea and of Joshua in the Jordan. You know, lots of memories come to mind. But in this case, it's Elijah who snaps the water and it splits. On the other side of the Jordan, uh, remember the journey, we started where? Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. Now we're on the other side of the Jordan. And on the other side of the Jordan, Elijah knows that his time has come. Verse 9. The senior is about to leave his apprentice. What can I give you as a parting gift, he asks. And the newbie responds, give me a double shot of your spirit, of your breath, of your ruach, of your power. <laughs> That's a tall order, Elijah growls. 
But if you see me go, if you see me taken from you, it'll happen. If you don't see me go, it won't. Uh, you know what happens next, right? You, you know this part of the story because everybody's heard this part of the story. Suddenly, while they're still talking, a chariot of fire, it says, chariot of fire with blazing horse, horses swoops down and separates them. Swoosh! Ouch! And one goes this way and one goes that way, right? Swing low, sweet chariot. And the chariot swoops down, separates the two, and Elisha is crying out. You can see him there in the text. Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And the old prophet departs this life much as he lived it, right, in a blaze of glory. Now, notice Elisha's response to the departure of Elijah. What does he do? It says that he lays a hold of his clothing and he rips it, splits it into pieces. Rip! Ouch! One half goes this way and one half goes that way. And then he notices another piece of cloth floating down out of the sky from the place where the chariot had gone. What is it? Can you see it? It's coming down, fluttering, and it lands on the ground. It's the mantle. And it begs the question, did, did Elisha see Elijah go? Yeah, what does that mean? Well, maybe he's going to receive the double dose of the power that he requested. Oh, oh. I can imagine him picking up the mantle and spreading it over his own shoulders, smoothing it a little bit, thinking, oh boy, you know, now, now, now I'm the man. And he begins to make his way back to the Jordan River. He arrives from the other side of the Jordan now, going back the same path. He comes now back to the Jordan River, and what does he do? He takes the mantle off his shoulder, and he rolls it up like a gym towel, and he pop, ouch! And he splits the water, and half goes on this side, half goes on that side, and he walks through, right to the middle, unscathed. What's the point? What's the point? He's got the power. See? He's got the power. Did I have the power? Did I not have the power? I don't know. But now we know. As readers, we know. He's got the power. He's doing the Elijah thing. Right? He pops the water and walks through. And then he continues from the Jordan. Where does he go? To Jericho. Right? The other side of the Jordan. Jordan. Jericho. And there he's met by the young men. Probably the same guys that pestered him on the way out of town. And he demonstrates to them what you and I already know and what they very soon learn by means of a miracle, and that is that the power is now on Elisha. Right? He's got the stuff. Elisha may look differently. He may act differently. He may execute his ministry differently. But Yahweh is in the middle of it. Right? You with me on this? Yeah, sure. Which leads us back to the place where the whole thing started. Because after he passes through the region on the other side of the Jordan, to the Jordan, to Jericho, he goes back up to Bethel, where this whole thing began. And verse 23, 
as we said at the very beginning of our time together, uh, says he went to Bethel and he was going up out of the way. Some small boys came out to meet him. Well, that's a translation. That's a translation. It may not be the best translation. I don't know what Bible translations you're looking at here. I'm using the NRSV. Uh, small boys, youths. The word that's used there is, is just lads, adolescents, young men. Yeah, the young men, they came out to, to meet him. A company, perhaps, of junior prophets. They come out to meet him, and they ridiculed him. And they said, we told you this was going to happen. Your master has been taken from the top of your head. You are uncovered now. You are unprotected now. You've got no backbone. Why, you're just baldy. Right? See, I don't think this has anything to do with the hair on his head at all. It has everything to do with authority. And they're saying, you are no longer a man with authority. Your authority is lost. It went away with Elijah, Mr. Slick. <laughs> Can you believe it? And, and therefore, it's a perfect ending. Because as the kids are making fun of Elisha, because he no longer has authority, what does he do? He curses them in the name of the Lord, which is another way of saying he prayed to God. God, will you be my power? God, will you be my protector? God, will you be my defender? Show them that you are all the cover that I need. And the answer comes in an unexpected way. <laughs> to she bears, yeah, the, the Syrian brown bears that we saw at the very beginning come out of the woods. They're roaring because there's nothing meaner on this planet than an angry mama bear. And all of the papa bears said, amen, yeah. And the bears come out. And according to my translation I'm reading here, it says that they mauled the gang. Well, that's one way to read it. What do you do when you maul something? What do you do when you maul something? You rip it to pieces. You tear it to shreds. You separate it, right? And I think that might actually be a better way to go. The bears come out of the woods, and what happens? The kids split. They split. That's right. Half go this way, and half, that, half go that way. Pop. Ouch. Just like Elijah's mantle divided the Jordan. Whoosh! Ouch! Just like the chariot separated Elijah from Elisha. Rip! Ouch! Just as Elisha ripped his clothing into two pieces, the ridiculing crowd split. Half went this way, half went that way. And the prophet now finds himself vindicated by God, and he walks right through the middle, unmolested and untouched. Now, I don't know if that changes, you know, the reading of the story. It's certainly not as fun, you know. We, we, we kind of like to see 42 kids get torn to pieces, but, but, but could it be something other than that? I mean, could the lesson, the takeaway from this thing be something very different? And I think on the face of it, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Elisha's got the power right? 
The transition between these two men, these two very different kinds of men, is complete and successful. God has not abandoned his man. God has not abandoned his people. That's one lesson you might take away from this. Another lesson you might take away from this is not impossible either. You've got to lean into it with me. I think that there are Elishas among us today. There's always been Elishas among us. Maybe there, there's an Elisha here in this room listening to my voice right now. There's an Elisha who is in the midst of transition, maybe stepping into a new role, maybe starting a new job, maybe entering into a new relationship, or maybe a new situation altogether. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? Whenever you start something new. And it's easy, I think, when faced with that kind of challenge to say to yourself, well, I, I don't think I can do this. Or I, I'm afraid. I, I don't have the power. You know, I don't have the, the wisdom. I don't have the strength to make this happen. And the gang is out there, you know, and they're making fun of us too, aren't they? Ah, you can't do this. You're uncovered. Blah, 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 blah. You, you know what the message to this is? Don't listen to the gang. That's right. Don't listen to the gang. If you are God's man, if you are God's woman for the moment, he will give you the tools that you need in the time that you need it in order to do the thing that needs to be done. Yeah, there's a message in there. Yeah. I don't know. There's a New Testament parallel. And you don't have to reach very far to, to get it either, but it, it, it resonates, I think, in light of what we see here in 2 Kings chapter 2. Do you remember old, the old guy that was stepping off the scene? His name was the Apostle Paul. And the new guy who was stepping up, his name was Timothy. And there's a letter. It's the very last letter that Paul writes. We call it 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, the old guy says to the new guy, says these words right here, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Amen? Amen. Bring on the bears. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the fact that you are a part of our lives, that these stories from the pages of uh, the ancients is not a stale story about a bully God, but rather a story about how you continue to be with your people as you always have been. And I pray, Father, that as we move into transition times in our lives, whatever they might be, that you make yourself manifest, visible uh, to us, that we know that we're not alone that you're with us, and that you wish nothing but the best for us. All of this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen.